Hello and welcome to another edition of the Standard Room Movie Podcast. Yeah, I'm your host, Ben Standard. I cover the Washington Commanders for The Athletic. It's Wednesday evening here in the DMV. I was, of course, out in Ashburn today for practice. We talked to Sam Howell. We talked to Ron Rivera, players in the locker room. Um, as for the guest of this episode, I talked to our guy, Mark Bullock. Of course, uh, Mark, Mark has a great sub stack breaking down all the tape. You can find Mark on Twitter at Mark Bullock NFL. A lot of Sam Howell talk. I haven't had uh, Mark on the podcast, I don't believe, this season. So got his view of where he is at with Sam Howell's development. How how close is he to saying Howell is the guy? Or maybe he's already there. Plus, suddenly the defense is the weaker unit. I don't just mean for this year, but I mean for looking ahead. what What kind of moves do we think they would make or or should make or more specifically what could happen the rest of this season that could shape some of those moves and that includes of course the play of Deron Payne and John Allen they have been quieter than hoped this year um could a resurgence change Washington's plans this offseason or if they don't uh start making more productive plays what could that mean so Fun conversation with Mark on all of that, which we will get to in a moment here on the podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the Standard Room Only podcast on iTunes or wherever you do your uh, listening. Uh, As for The Athletic, I'll have a story out in the morning on, ostensibly it's about Brian Robinson and how his pass catching has really exceeded uh, so many expectations, especially considering... There were people out there who were saying he's not a good pass catcher at all. Clearly, he has blown up that narrative. Um, but also, he and Antonio Gibson, particularly in this Seattle game, have really formed a nice combination. This dual threat combo where I remember back to Antonio Gibson when they drafted him in 2020. How so much of the talk was what they like about Gibson is that if the other, if the defense is putting out a you know a run stopping kind of a unit, they can shift Gibson out to receiver. If they put in a nickel or dime package, they can have Gibson run up, you know, run uh, on a play. That level of versatility, while he has it individually, it's never really taken shape as a game planning situation. But with Robinson and Gibson, it does feel like they are leaning more into that. Gibson was overlooked for a chunk of the year. But he's got at least five catches in three straight games. Robinson obviously set numerous career highs in the last game, including yards from scrimmage and receptions. Um, so, I, you know, in terms of this season going forward, that's going to be, I would imagine, a pretty good source of production for this offense. All right, a couple other quick notes before we get to Mark. Um, in terms of this week, it's only Wednesday, so injuries can change a lot. Uh, the Giants have a ton, by the way. Some names like Kayvon Thibodeau, Saquon Barkley, Andrew Thomas. We will see where they're at later in the week. As for Washington, uh, five players did not practice on Wednesday. Two of them were, were John Allen and Ke- Kendall Fuller with vet days. So we'll, th- that's been a common uh, deal here the last uh, couple weeks. James Smith-Williams suffered a hamstring injury against Seattle. Was not out there today. When asked about it, Ron Rivera, 
you know, typically if Ron Rivera openly says he's concerned about a, a player, you've got to assume that that person's going to be out a while. He said he is con- there's concern with James Smith Williams' situation. Um, the level of concern, I don't know. I would imagine at this point, based on that, he's out for this week. Beyond that, we will see. Of course, it's notable, not just because James Smith Williams is a solid piece for the defense, but they just traded away Montez Sweat and Chase Young, putting Smith Williams in the starting lineup. Now, you'd imagine, I guess, F.A. Obata would line up opposite Casey Tuhill, but they're only backed up by the two rookies, uh, K.J. Henry and Andre Jones. Uh, they may bring up somebody from the practice squad like Joshua Pryor from Bowie State. They may have to sign somebody, though, at some point, should Smith-Williams miss several games. Uh, you know, the pass rush has been you know, re- pretty non-existent the last couple of weeks. Only one sack in two games. They need to get more out of Allen and Payne. But when your defensive ends now are getting to that level of, you know, digging deep into the depth, now it's even going to be harder for those guys, presumably, um, as they're facing more and more. T- uh, double teams are getting more attention, what have you. Um, Benjamin St. Juice out with an illness. Uh, we'll see where he's at this week. Antonio Gibson, he is he was out today with a toe injury. I, I didn't notice anything different with him when I spoke with him and Brian Robinson for that story I mentioned, uh, but we'll see where he is at later in the week. Curtis Samuel, by the way, was limited uh, with a toe injury as well. So some things there to keep an eye on for Washington. Uh, all of those would be, yeah, any of those guys being out would be notable uh, because of depth issues or just the talent of the player. Uh, what else here? The Giants. So look, We've talked we've talked this year about some must-win games. I thought this one against Seattle was a must-win for the purpose of keeping a realistic shot at making the playoffs. Now they're going to have to pull off, following that loss, they're going to have to pull off multiple upsets to get there, and you know we'll see if, they, if that's even possible. The, I've said before here, I just don't see why it would make sense to make a change with Ron Rivera or uh, people on his staff at this point. I know people are frustrated that the ownership group has not made a move. I, I, I've said, I and I still maintain this, it really does not make much sense to me to, to remove Rivera, regardless of any frustrations anybody may have. Who's going to be the head coach or the interim coach to re- if you replace him? I know people will say, hey, well, just go to Biennemi. I don't know. I mean, one, Bianami's this is still his first year as an offensive coordinator. There's been some progress recently. There's also a lot of progress with Sam Howell. And Sam Howell is more important for this season than anything else at this stage, for sure. So I would rather not mess with that and leave Bianami in that role. And even contemplate his future down the line. The problem is, then what? Jack Del Rio is the only other coach, uh, person with a head coaching experience on this team, I don't see that one going over well, certainly from a PR perspective, independent of what you think of him in that in that role. So I just think it makes more sense to stay with Rivera should they be considering a change. I, I believe that's still the likely outcome at this point, that there would be significant changes if not just a complete overhaul of the staff and the front office. Um, 
But I bring this up because if they lose to the Giants, everything I just said may be irrelevant. Because the Giants team is just an absolute mess. They've gotten absolutely crushed by Dallas twice this year, including this past week. They're down to their third-string quarterback, Tommy DeVito, who has not looked good, who lives with his parents. Uh, Mom makes his bed. I don't know. I'm just saying that to be sort of funny. But this is not a game that they should be losing. This is a game that should be more like those Ben DiNucci, Ryan Finley games they were winning in 2020. So you do that, then you go into Thanksgiving against Dallas, and, you know, it's an opportunity to put themselves back in the mix. But if they lose to the Giants, I think Sunday night, Monday, will be nothing but wild speculation about possible changes. So I, I would suggest for this team to figure out a way to get that win one way or another against the Giants. Um, last thing I want to note, um, friend of the podcast, Ben Fisher from Sports Business Journal, had a story up today where he interviewed Josh Harris about the business side of what they're doing over there um, in Ashburn and at FedEx Field. Um, the team announced that Clark Construction is the official construction company of the Commanders. Anybody who lives in town knows, has seen Clark signs all over the place for years and years. Huge uh, in that construction space in this area. The story mentioned that Clark, along with some other consultants, have been really helping Harris with the strategy of what to do here going forward. Um, Jason Wright's been involved. He's been checking out some of the properties that Harris already has and so on. Um, I, I point this out partly because it's interesting, but also just to note that for anybody out there who thinks the owners are being too quiet, they're not being proactive enough, I, from everything I understand from his, from this story, but my own sources as well, that they are indeed being proactive, that they are, you know, pretty, somebody told me that they're pretty far ahead of the curve when it comes to getting ready for the upcoming season. Now, the stadium itself could take a while to, to sort out. I mean, you got to get, you got to look through all the jurisdictions. It's not a snap of the finger scenario. Uh, I saw a story, by the way, the other day that the LA Rams announced they are moving into a new practice facility, but that it's going to take three to five years to get it done. Uh, my So, you know, the stadium that Josh Harris has already been pointing to, like a 2030 timeline, perhaps, and a practice facility, you know, unless they start switching, you know, start working on that immediately, again, three to five years is what, 2026, 20, 28, somewhere in there. So this is not going to be quick, but from what I understand, they're already making plenty of inroads and conversations and, thought, and, and, and conversations about what to do. Same thing with the coaching staff and the front office is my understanding. Now, again, that doesn't mean that they are definitively making any changes. It is to say they're getting a feel for the landscape, not just internally, but externally around the league. Again, if they lose to the Giants, we may just jump right into speculating about who they could look at for p potential uh, changes. If they lose to the Giants, I think we can stop probably dropping potential and just go to changes are coming. But uh, you know they are they are doing work. What that what that result of that work is is you know time will tell on that. Um, all right, uh, 
enough of that for now. Again, I'll of course, I'll be out at FedEx Field on Sunday to see what could be a pretty dismal game, even if the Commanders, you know, towards the Giants, um, you know, this could be an ugly game one way or the other. But nonetheless, we'll be out there. I imagine many of you will be well. By the way, I wanted to, to mention this. In the past, I've had uh, off-the-record Zoom chats with some of the listeners here. I'd like to do that again. I, I'd like to do that for a variety of reasons, including hearing from you about what's important to you right now with this team. Because other than Sam Howe, it's kind of hard to gauge what is really interesting for everyone. So, that said, I would like to... This week, it's already Wednesday. I don't think it makes sense to do a, a Zoom like that this week. Next week is Thanksgiving. That, that week, that's just too complicated. So I'm thinking early in the Miami week, that would be week 13, somewhere that week, having a uh, having that kind of a Zoom. If you're interested, hit me up, bstandig, S-T-A-N-D-I-G, at theathletic.com. Even if you're not interested in that, but you've got thoughts about what is important to you, what do we need to be talking about, hit me up there with your thoughts as well. I mean, of course I have my own, but I would love to see what you think, what's important to you, what would be, uh, you think, interesting to readers, and so on. Also to this podcast, things to discuss. Um, again, Bullock and I talk about Sam Howe, but there's only, to some degree, you know, I feel like we've hit a lot of the beats on that topic. Um Getting different people's opinions is important. We're doing that with Bullock. But at the same time, you know, I'd like to see what you guys think. So hit me up there, bstandig at theathletic.com. Whether you're interested in a, a private, off-the-record Zoom chat or you just have some thoughts about uh, where this team is, what how you would like to see the coverage, and so on. All right, uh, that is it for that. Let's get to Mark Bullock. Again, you can follow Mark on Twitter at Mark Bullock NFL. You can follow me at Ben Standig. But right now, myself, Mark Bullock, breaking down Sam Howe. What could change for this defense going forward over these next uh, games? Uh, let's do that here on the Standard Room Only Podcast. All right. As promised, joining us here on the podcast, he is the, I mean, he is the authority of all things film review when it comes to the Washington Commanders. He's Always kills it on his Substack, markbullock.substack.com. Our guy from overseas, it is Mark Bullock. Uh, it's been far too long. Mr. Bullock, how are you? Um, I'm doing pretty well, thanks. How are you, Ben? Good question. I appreciate you asking. Uh, you know, <laughs> it, the, the team is kind of the same as it ever was, minus the stink of ownership. So it all feels like an upgrade to me, even though if it, a lot of this feels like deja vu all over again in terms of where this team is at. But, you know, we're, we're, we're plugging away. We're plugging away. Um, we'll, we'll get to, you know, we'll talk about Sam Howell, obviously, and get Mark's view on kind of where this team is at. I, I am curious, though, just watching this, you know, you are, you know, your primary connection with this team is, is through the film. At least on the offense, it's a new person this year because it is Eric Bieniemy. What's it been like watching something new? Um, how long did it take you maybe to kind of figure out what the enemy is all about versus what Scott Turner was all about. How's that, how's that process been? Yeah, it's been, uh, it's been quite interesting. Um, it's definitely a, a lot more passing the ball than, than we've seen in the past few years. Yeah. Um, it's, it's very odd to see 
I, I feel like secretly inside Ron Rivera is hating it because I feel like he just loves running the ball. Um, but um, as most offensive minded head coaches do, but um, yeah, it's, it's been very different. Um, and it, it kind of took them a few weeks, I think, to find the kind of offense that I figured they would end up falling onto, which is kind of the quick game stuff, the the stuff that lets them get the ball out of Howell's hands as quickly as possible, uh, building into some of the intermediate stuff and, and occasionally taking some shots down the field. Um, but it, it hasn't quite developed that they haven't run as many RPOs as I thought they would do. Sam Howell hasn't been involved in the running game as, thought, as much as I thought he would be. So um, it's not quite what I thought it would be. Um, and I think it's still very much a work in progress. Um because it is still, you know, Hal's first year in the system. And when I was studying Eric Bieniemy and, and the Chiefs offense, I, I was, you were watching it, you know, year four and year five of Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City, um, as opposed to year one in Washington. Um, so that was a much more um, diverse offense than what we're seeing right now. Um, but I, 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 I I think in general the, the change is positive and, and a lot of that obviously comes down to the quarterback play. Um, but the quarterback play and the development of, of the quarterback has been significant um, and that bodes well for the future, I think. Yeah, no, I mean, the the yeah, I think we're all saying the same thing. If you had said in the beginning of the year, Sam Howell will be playing at this level, knowing what the defense did last year, you'd be like, wow. Okay, I don't know if they're competing for a deep playoff run, but they got a winning record. I mean, mm. things are in a different way, and instead, instead, uh, you know, we're starting to—at least I am—starting to think ahead more towards the big picture future than 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 the present. Um, you, you mentioned how the enemy—you know—it's not exactly how you thought. M- my take for the first several weeks, at least, was here's a guy who's got his first real opportunity to be a play caller. And he is not going to, and, and you know, everybody has to realize that, that they all could be, the whole coaching staff could be blown out this year. So he's taking the opportunity to show what he can do to a degree more than worrying about what he's got going on with the offense, um, with the pieces around him. I think in, in it, it kept feeling like he's running an offense, the Kansas City offense to some degree, more than he was running what was needed here. But then after week seven, the Giants lost, you know, they, they changed up the offensive line. And then all of a sudden, um, it's a lot more quick throws with, with Sam and things start to be get, and that's when, you know, things have started to, to look better, more consistent for how as well. Have you noticed a shift in, or what kind of shift have you noticed over these last three games, either that says something about what the enemy's approach has maybe changed or just how they're adjusting to Sam Howe and what he can do best. Yeah. For, for me, that's been obviously one of the topics of conversation that I've seen around sort of, commanders fans and media is is what has changed these last few weeks and and people want to put it on the the changes up front on the offensive line and and i think to a degree tyler larson at center has helped because they are more consistently like sliding the line the right way to get blitzes picked up um the the issue in that giants game was that the enemy would call plays where they'd have six or seven bodies available to stay and protect and pass protect but they were often sliding the wrong way. So they just weren't identifying where the blitzes were coming from at the snap. And and that's on both the quarterback and the center. Um, and and so there's not really much more the enemy could have done at that point because 
at that point it is on the quarterback in the center to diagnose those blitzes and get the guys going the right way. So the switch to Larson has helped with that. But in terms of the actual picking up of blocks, like when, when you look at how Larson's handling blocks one on one compared to Gates, it feels fairly similar level of play. And when you look at how Chris Paul is handling like stunts compared to Sadiq Charles, it's, it's, it's a, still a fairly similar level. Um, so I, I don't actually think the offensive line has improved drastically. I think the big change has come from Sam Howe. Um, I, I think he's become a lot more efficient with the ball. And a lot of those sacks, those first 40 sacks that he took in those first seven weeks, they were not all of them. Granted, there was the occasion one where Andrew Wiley got beat real quick and, and there was nothing Howe could do about it. But a lot of them were down to how not getting the ball out on time. And sometimes that was, you know, the routes were covered and sometimes, as I say, there was occasional breakdown of protection, but generally the offensive line were giving him enough protection. And generally there was a receiver open for him to get the ball out efficiently and on time. Um, and when he was efficient, it was fine. And, but we saw four or five times a game where he would just hesitate maybe because it was a different look than he was expecting or um, a defender popped into a window that he wasn't expecting. And, and that would cause him to hesitate, hold on to the ball and get sacked. Um, whereas the last few weeks, we've seen him do a much better job of A, identifying blitzes and, and either changing the protection himself to get them picked up, which buys him more time to deliver throws, or he's just been throwing hot or you know being efficient with his reads and, and understanding that, okay, I might be overloaded to this side, but I've also got a receiver running into the space vacated behind that blitz. So I can just quickly get the ball out and maybe it's just a quick flat route to Antonio Gibson. Maybe it's Jahan Dotson running a quick out in the slot or something like that. Um, but he's been so much more efficient. And that for me has been the key of them cutting down the sacks and being more productive on offense there. Obviously the sacks were a huge, huge deal. And there's some insane stat out there. I don't know off the top of my head about how a sack, almost basically guarantees you're not going to score points on that drive. Um, and it's very, very hard to overcome that. And generally when they weren't getting sacked, they were moving the ball pretty well. Um, and now that they're not getting sacked anywhere near to the level that they were, um, the offense, we've seen that that uptick in performance. And then, you know, there's that fourth quarter Sam Howell kind of trait that seems to kick in and, and they do pretty well in the fourth quarter. So, uh, yeah, I, for me, the big positive is that it seems to be somehow is developing and, and possibly that's down to, you know, the amount of times they're throwing the ball. He's, he's thrown it about 50 times more than anyone else in the league right now. Um, so he's gaining more experience than he necessarily would be if they were, you know, doing the old fashioned run the ball 30 times a game and, and play action pass 15 times. And he's only dropping back five or 10 times because he's dropping back so often he's, he's possibly developing at a faster rate than than most quarterbacks would in his situation. Yeah, that that is in fact part of what they're um saying as to why they're throwing it as much throughout the whole year is to help Sam develop at a uh faster rate. Um this is from Ron Rivera from Monday's press conference. He said uh um, I'm, I, I asked him about, um, you know, in this last game, they only ran the ball five times in the first half in a game that ultimately was never at a, you know, nobody had more than a one score lead. And he said that, um, 
one thing, one of the things that we've talked about extensively throughout the season is that having him throw the ball um, in the games and throwing the ball has helped his development and growth. Uh, we're getting to a point where we are right now because of that, and we'll continue to see how it goes, etc. Um, that's an interesting point. If in fact it is to say truly that they were like, you know what, the best thing we can do is to give him all the reps possible, not be conservative, not hide behind the run game. That's an interesting thought. It also suggests a notion of the quarterback is the priority over the winning. I also would say that is not a wrong read based on where things have been, but uh, it is still notable if that's true. If you're telling me all these things, because obviously they typically are all say, well, we're trying to win. And yet in, in this case, we also know Ron Rivera, may need to have a winning season in order to keep his job or, or whatever. So it is notable to say openly that, and this isn't the first time it's been some other versions to say, yeah, we're purposely giving the quarterback more reps, possibly even to the detriment of what we need to do to win. Because I think part of the point is if the defense is struggling this much, shouldn't you be running the ball more as a way to save or keep them off the field, keep them fresh. Um, Cause even this extended handoff stuff it can still be an incompletion to stop the clock. So I thought that was interesting to you, sort of to your point that you were saying. Yeah, it, it, it's 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 a weird situation that it feels like it's something Ron Rivera wouldn't have signed off on because, like, I, I feel like he's kind of almost put the nail in his own coffin by hiring Eric Bieniemy because if they had a winning season and Sam Howell looked good, then the philosophy is then well, we need to keep Eric Bieniemy, elevate him so that Sam Howell gets to continue in the developing in the same system. And if it doesn't go well, then everyone gets fired. Uh, and so it's a lose-lose situation for Rivera. Um, and so it almost feels like he is kind of realizing that, look, this defense isn't what we thought it was going to be. Um, and And the best, I guess the best chance for him to keep any kind of job within the organization would be to develop Sam Howe. I, I still don't think that's enough given his record over the last four years. Like, yes, if Sam Howe becomes the guy that he deserves credit for being the one drafted him, but like Eric Bieniemy is the guy that's been the one developing him. Um, and, and so again, it would, the credit would go to Bieniemy for the way he's developed and become the guy. So it, it's an odd situation. Um, and I, I think I feel like maybe there is more Eric Bieniemy's plan than Ron Rivera's to pass. Well, obviously it's Eric Bieniemy's plan to pass the ball more often. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if that, if the reasoning behind that is partially to try to accelerate the development of Sam Howe, because I mean, he's, he's thrown the ball almost 400 times. I think it's something like 397 passing attempts. And I think the next highest is like Joe Burrow on like 300 and, 50 or something like that. So it's nearly 50 attempts more. And at the rate he's throwing it, which is about 40 times a game, he's going to have nearly 280 more pass attempts before the end of the year. So he, he's going to have something like the best part of 700 throws this year um, at the rate that he's currently going. So if you want to accelerate the development of a quarterback and and expose them to as many possible looks that they, they can see and, and master an offense for the long-term development of a quarterback, then this is possibly one real good way to do that is, is throw the ball 40 times a game. And, and it's not like they aren't being successful either. Like the, the passing offense 
has been pretty decent. They they have been scoring a pretty decent amount. And yes, there have been lulls in games where, you know, they, they do have the occasional three and out and, and quite often they'll have one or two quarters where they the things just kind of stall and, and that does get tough on the defense. But it's not like the offense is outside of obviously that Giants game um, where they couldn't get anything going. Like the last few weeks, they've been scoring, what, 20, 25 points a game, something like that. So yeah. they've, they've been doing enough to win games. Um, so, it, yeah, I, I think the way I see it, if if I'm Eric the enemy saying, look, my offense is still being productive and I'm developing the quarterback at, at the same time, then that's the best move for the franchise going forward. And, and Rivera kind of just has to either accept that and, and accept that his defense isn't doing a good enough job supporting the offense. Um, I want to, uh, I, I do want to get to the defense before we go, but of course, I, I, it's my fault. I took us down this path of talking about the offense right off the bat. And here we are talking about the <laughs> offense a lot. And look, it is Sam Howell is the most interesting part of this team, no matter what. I mean, he, it's crazy. Can you imagine the beginning of the year saying at this point of the season, the top two in passing yards in this league would be Sam Howell and rookie CJ Stroud. I don't think anybody is signing up for that, but that's where we're at. Um, so l- last question on how on how, and then we'll move forward. Everybody just wants to say the, 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 the believers just want to say that we don't need to see anymore. This is the guy. He is all that. Don't worry about it. And I've been pretty positive, but I'm like, well, I, I still need to see more. It's only been now, you know, uh, 11 starts. I'm not saying that's not nothing, but you know, I don't want to make a direct comparison to say RG3 because there was a lot of injuries involved there, but it wasn't just the injuries. Everybody would have signed up for giving RG3 a 10-year contract at some point in his rookie season. We saw how that went. Are you, at this point, convinced Sam Howell is the long-term answer, or do you also need to see more? And if you did more, what what for you do you think is more at this point? Yeah, I, I'm I'm very much in uh, on on your side of that, and, and that's not to say that Hal hasn't been good and isn't extremely promising at this point. But it was what three weeks ago, where it was that Giants game where they scored seven points and he was taking six sacks, and um, and the offense looked terrible, and and everyone was ready to write him off and say the season's done. We need to be tanking for Caleb Williams. So it. It, it a lot. There's a lot of football still to be played, um, and and as I just said, they they're averaging 40 passes a game with seven games left. That's something like 280 passing attempts still to come. So that that's still a lot of throws to come. So I I would I'd hold off on saying he's the guy that they they don't need to rush into being like, hey, he's the guy right now. Um, I, I would say he's definitely shown a lot. Like he's shown everything probably you want you'd want him to to show. And he's showing development in the areas that he was struggling with earlier in the year, which is the real promising part is that he's not just showing flashes of talent. He's showing progression in terms of like, as we talked about with the sacks, he's identifying blitzes a lot better. Um, he's he's getting the ball out a lot more efficiently. And that's very good for his potential long-term growth. But we, th- there's no need to rush into being like, yeah, he's the guy, sign him up. Like it, it's... Let's see how these next seven games go. Um, Let's see how these next 300 passes go um, because things could change quite drastically in, in those, in those games. Um, And and hopefully he continues on this path. And and if at the end of the year, once we get through that year and we've had these, what nearly 700 passing attempts to kind of really get a good idea of where he's at um, and, and you see the continued growth and you see, 
you can compare where he is at the end of the year to where he was at the start of the year and you can say hey he's he he played really well he developed into a much more efficient passer he's he's cut down on the sacks which were his biggest issue he's still creating some explosive plays and going off script and um and doing pretty well overall then at the end of the year you can say okay he's showed a lot this year that suggests he can be our guy and that sets you up for the future but i i with seven games to go i just don't see any need to rush into it it's not like they're they're hiring a new gm and a new head coach right now that are trying to decide whether they need to tank for caleb williams or or have sam howell be their quarterback in the future that that's not going to happen until january regardless so um i just say just be optimistic about where he's at right now and and continue to watch the growth and hope that it continues um he's on the right path but there's no need to rush all right fair enough um and 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 i and i agree with with all that and you know when you look ahead the offense I think at least Sam Howell is putting himself in position to be QB one for next season. I mean, unless they hire a new person who just is out for whatever reason, I don't know. Or, you know, barring the injury or whatever, I don't see how that's probably not the case at this point. If if nothing else, he's super cheap. You might as well just let it see it play out. And once again, they're not going to be in a position to get a top five pick. It looks like, so, you know, there's that whole thing. There's more, but it's not, it's also not even just him. You got Terry McLaurin coming back. I know John Dotson's had an up and down year, but, you know, he's still under contract. Brian Robinson's still under contract. Um, you know, by and large, if the offensive line progresses enough to be acceptable, like they can all come back. Maybe we'll see about Charles Leno's contract, et cetera. But the defense is now all of a sudden where I think there's just a lot more questions about the future, partly because of the trade they made, the two trades they made for Montez Sweat and Chase Young. But I'm looking at this defense now and I'm just looking ahead and obviously they've struggled all year. We all get that. But part of the justification for me for those two trades beyond maximizing the trade value for sweat and just sort of moving on from Chase Young is that you still have two Pro Bowl players in in Allen and Payne and you can build around that. You don't even necessarily need to have star defensive ends if those guys are doing their thing. And I think part of the subtle story of the of the year maybe as well they're not quite doing their thing i know john allen was dealing with a plantar fasciitis early in the year maybe that's bothered him more than expected but he did have a sack this game and i think he's generally played fine Payne's numbers are definitely way off from last year when he um in, in his contract year what are you seeing there both in terms of now but also you know for the first time i don't remember what year you started covering this team but for the first time in forever it's just the two defensive tackles the ends don't exist can this all can this defense be built around those guys? So what are you kind of seeing short term, long term with the whole Allen and Payne thing? Yeah, so on on Allen and Payne's season this year, they've definitely been worse and or or not to their high levels um of in terms of pass rushing. In the run game, they're both still pretty stout. They're both still doing their job for the most part and um, I, I think they both had a couple of flash plays over the last few weeks where they've blown up a few runs and stuff. So, and you know their history of coming from Alabama, where where they they stop the run first and 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 what have you. I, I think you can always rely on those two to be pretty stout and solid against the run and not have to really worry about those guys inside. But um, from a pass rushing standpoint, I, I think I think the sack numbers kind of inflated what people thought of Deron Payne. Payne. Payne has never really developed into this fantastic pass rusher. He's he's a guy that has a really good first step 
for a, certainly for a guy that his his size. Um, and so when you match him up one on one against slower guards, he can beat them with that first step and create some explosive sacks. But for the most part, if they're quick enough to cut off that first step, then he can quite regularly get get cut off. And, and um, a lot of his sacks come from kind of pressure from other guys rushing the quarterback towards him. Um, Jonathan Allen is is a different case. Jonathan Allen has always been a very good pass rusher, um, and he was getting better and better for the last few years. And last year he was exceptional. This year, he, he's yeah. I, I I don't know how much that foot injury is bothering him. Um, and and I think working with Chase Young, quite often both of them tried to get into that B gap between the the left guard and left tackle, and and often that left led them to both being in the same gap and, and easily kind of blocked and, and cut off from each other. Um, but the last few weeks, obviously Chase Young hasn't been there and, you know, he's, he's picked it up a little bit, but we still haven't seen the Jonathan Allen that um, kind of can wreck games from the inside that, that we have seen in the past few years. So he he's definitely a step off of what he normally does. And, and that's, that's not to say he's been bad at all. Like he he's maybe dropped from being a top three or five interior pass rusher to, maybe a, a top 15 interior pass rusher. He's still being good. He's just not his exceptional level that he normally is. So that's that's kind of where I stand on how those guys are, are doing right now. In terms of long-term, you can build around those guys. Absolutely. Um, that defenses are, are quite often built around interior defensive linemen. And, and um, if you have those kind of flexible guys that those two are, um, and by that I mean if you want to play – uh, a three-man front if you want to play a four-man front whatever kind of front you want to play those guys can adapt and, and fit whatever technique you ask them to play um, and, and you can line up either one over the nose you can line up either one over the tackle obviously you can line up either one over the guard um, and they they can fit a lot of different things you want to do so absolutely you can build around them um, a, a large part depends on what kind of system they're going to be running next year Um whether they go for a defensive coordinator that is more in the mold of rather than having star pass rushers on the edge where we're going to have a bunch of kind of hybrid body types where there's like linebackers and outside linebackers, kind of like a three, four where on any given play you could blitz a linebacker or an inside linebacker or a safety or whatever, and, and have other guys drop into coverage. Um, the kind of Casey two hill type of, of player um, and, and try to beat people with scheme, or maybe you, you go back down to the well of like, hey, that four first round pick defensive line didn't work, but it, it can work if you get the right personnel matched up together and you go and try to find another star defensive end. Um, and and hopefully that guy meshes better with Payne and Allen than, than Sweat and Young did. So um, I, I think they have a lot of different options there. Um, it will largely depend on whoever, assuming there's a new defensive coordinator, whoever that guy decides what, what kind of scheme and system they want to run. Right. And what's going to be interesting, obviously, like you look at the defense and you think, okay, what, what do you have going forward? You got Allen and Payne. Got that. I think Benjamin St. Juice obviously was not, Sunday wasn't his necessarily best game, at least in that one possession where he was involved in a lot of bad things. Um, He's a cornerback. I don't think he's a number one, but he's a starter, all that. Um, After that, it's a lot of questions. And in terms of how to fix this thing going forward, this is where I want to sort of just end this. We know they have 
five picks in the t- in the first three rounds. I know the conditional, but close enough. First three rounds, two second, two third. They have ninety million in cap space, roughly. Now, some of that will have to be used to keep some of their own guys, but it's a lot of money to do a lot of different things. And like I said, I'm not saying that you can't do some things on the offense, but to an extent, like I said, fixed. Add more to the line, please. I'm, don't don't scream at me. I get that, but I'm just saying, like in general, mo- the offense is like a kind of feels like largely we can see where it's going to be. So to that end, it's hard to know exactly. But like, what do you think? Like, if I said, okay, here we, we need to add another defensive end, whether that's a first round pick or something. I don't know that we're, we're looking at James with Williams and two Hill or the two young guys as definitive starters who could be legit starters. I don't know if we're there on any of those guys linebacker. Look, I know it's a position that's been de-emphasized by this group, but as you said, there'll be likely a new coordinator we think. And I don't know, Jamin Davis, I, I'm not sure they're going to pick up his option. I mean, he's made, maybe you disagree. I think he's made progress over his time, but it's been like incremental progress. Teams go at him, and I made a joke yesterday that he's involved in more wheel routes than uh, NASCAR drivers. Uh, I mean, every team, every week, they're trying to get him on that because there's a reason for that. And then the secondary, Kendall Fuller is a free agent. Emmanuel Forbes, man, if I told you right now he's one of your starters, I, I don't I don't know how comfortable I'm not. And even if he is, you still need to figure out another one. Cam Curl's a free agent. So there's a lot to get to here. What do you think based on all of that? For you, is like, look, I think they've got to fix this one way or the other. And maybe there's not, or, or on the flip side, maybe there's less worry that I'm making it out to be um, currently on the roster. Where are you at with like what you need, this defense needs to do to, 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 to get better, just in terms of the personnel for next year? Yeah, well, there's the obvious caveat of it depends on what the system they're going to try to run. Because I, I think that that has been one of the most puzzling things of this Rivera and Del Rio era in Washington is. First, they they sign William Jackson, a, a known press corner for a big contract, and then they try to fit him in his own scheme. And then that obviously doesn't work, and they trade him away and, and admit they were wrong. And then they draft Emmanuel Forbes thinking they're going to play zone. And suddenly this year they've played a heavy amount of man coverage, uh, which is not what you drafted Emmanuel Forbes for. So the main thing, I think, for me is you you sort out what kind of system you want to run and then you draft and, and sign personnel to fit that. Um, now, I, I think there's still the core of a decent team there. Like as we talked about Jonathan Allen, Ron Payne, a lockdown, I would be immediately looking to sign Cam Curl long-term because I think he provides so much value in the amount of different roles he plays to a high level. Um, he brings so much flexibility and versatility to a defense um, that I'd be getting him locked down. I think Percy Butler um, and Dark Forest both have ups and downs, but I, I think you can work with them um, and, and you can develop them going forward. And I think St. Justus has shown some growth in playing off coverage rather than being this big, long guy that needs to play press man coverage. I, I think, if anything, the last few weeks, he's been better playing off than he has been playing press. Um, and... and so if if you're seeing that and you and you have just last year your first round pick Manuel Forbes being a zone corner, uh, I think there's pieces in place there where you say, okay, a new defense coordinator comes in, looks to play more zone, um, and, and sets up the team to do that. In which case, you're looking to kind of build a similar defense to what they have, but obviously evolve it with. You know they they need to replace what they have on the what they've lost on the defensive line with with Young and Sweat, 
Um, they obviously need a Mike linebacker. Um, Jamin Davis, as you mentioned, has progressed. Um, but whenever he's given the green dot and it's added more responsibilities, he, he struggles. Um, as soon as David Mayo's on the field and, and taking over that kind of stuff, you see Jamin Davis is almost a completely different player. Um, and, and this week when, when Mayo was playing more frequently, Davis made a lot of nice run stops and, and some decent plays. And, and yeah, he can improve in coverage. And um, you're right that teams do target him on wheel routes and stuff, but that is stuff that you can work on um, and improve on. Um, I, I'm not necessarily, you're, you're not necessarily picking up his, his option, but um, he still has a year to go. So he's still going to be there next year. Um, but you definitely need to find a mic backer that can that can handle the responsibility of of doing all the calls and checks at the line of scrimmage and still be able to play fast. Um, that they and not be a, a kind of like David Mayo is a liability in coverage or or you know Cody Barton really struggled at the start of the year um, until that final game before he got hurt where he was slow to read stuff and and at the line of scrimmage. So yeah, I, I think that I think that would be something that. I would be kind of top of the needs list for me is finding a Mike linebacker after obviously sorting out what kind of system you want to run and identifying, okay, if we're, if we're going to go down the path of playing lots of zone coverage and playing some quarters and match stuff, then that kind of fits the personnel that's still there. Um, but we need to find that Mike linebacker that kind of ties everything together. All right. This is why you uh, have a Mark Bullock come on your podcast. And this is why you listen <laughs> Or you, you read his stuff on his uh, sub stack. You follow him on Twitter at Mark Bullock NFL, right? Yep. Look at that. I, something stay in his brain. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, great as always. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll certainly get you back on to discuss where this thing is later in the year. Um, as we as move forward, either this team is makes a run, which seems a little unlikely so. at this point, or <laughs> we start looking ahead to what's going to be likely a very, very fascinating offseason. Uh, Mark, you rule. Appreciate the time as always. And uh, enjoy, uh, you know, life across the pond. <laughs> thanks, Ben. Good to good to chat. All right. Big thanks to Mark Bullock. Thanks to everyone here for checking out the podcast and checking my work at All in the Athletic. Uh, Giants are coming to town. I don't know uh, what that game will look like, but... Like I said before, it's not a must win. It's not even a can't lose. It's like a oy vey, don't don't blow this. Uh, that's all I can say about that. Um, all right, that is it for now. Ben Standing signing off. Until next time.